Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Let's turn to the book of Acts. We'll start there today. We're going to be starting a new series this morning about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to start in the book of Acts, chapter 1. So thank you so much. Last week, I know we had a great group at church on Sunday last week for Easter Sunday, and I saw a lot of great pictures of you and the Easter bunny. Shout out to Sammy for being a great Easter bunny. Come on, let's give it up for Sam. He wore that costume for hours. He did it. It was amazing. He was a great Easter bunny. I said, next year, though, you know, just for fun, we need to get a few other animals dressed up. And uh, I, I threw this out to Patrick. I don't know if Patrick is here today. I don't see him. But I threw out the idea of maybe Patrick could play the bear in the Old Testament who came out of the woods and ate the children. <laughs> just to change it up a little bit, just to make the, the Easter Sunday a little more exciting. Like we have the sweet Easter bunny, and then we have Pat Buzzy coming out with the bear costume and acting like he's going to eat children. Just for fun. Parents, grandparents, do you approve of this? You can say, this is what happens if you don't obey the Lord. <laughs> there will be bears coming out of the woods for you. Or if you don't share your Easter candy with your parents, either way. So we're going to start a series today about the Holy Spirit. Because the good news of Easter and Resurrection Sunday is it's not over. That was just the starting place. Resurrection Sunday was not the end of the story. It was just the beginning of what God was about to do. So that's where we're going to start today because this is not just a, a, a one movie story. This is a, there's a sequel to this, and it's the book of Acts. And so we're going to start in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to read from 1 to 8. It says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during the 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Now, now, Jesus told his disciples, I want you to wait in Jerusalem because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, which is the promise of the Father. Yes. Notice which he said, you have heard from me. Verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they come together, they ask him, saying, Lord, will you, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, verse 8, key verse for today. But you shall receive power. Come on now, we Pentecostals around here. I need you to help me today. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Can I get amen this morning? 
I know I read a few verses, but it's good for you. If you didn't read your Bible this week, you just read eight verses. Congratulations. You did it. But they ended with this in verse 8, quoting Jesus. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, we're going to start a new series today called The Holy Spirit in You. And today, the title of my message is going to be called The Power of Pentecost. The Power of Pentecost. So we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit starting today and probably the next month and a half or so. Just how many ever days it takes to talk about the Holy Spirit. But we need to understand the importance of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, it's interesting because the key verse for today and really this whole series is, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, Natalie goes to a Christian school, Christian Academy of Indiana, and her Bible verse this week happened to be Acts 1-8. And so usually when Natalie has a Bible verse, she has to remember the Bible verse and then tell the teacher the interpretation of that verse. Now, she's in third grade. Now, I went to Christian Academy as well, so I, I know sometimes the teachers and the denominations that are there. And actually, I put in the, um, and it wasn't allowed in the yearbook. <laughs> but, you know, they said, put your favorite verse in the yearbook. And I put down the verse in Corinthians where Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Okay, I was just always trying to start something at Christian Academy of Indiana. But, but the verse for this week was Acts 1-8. I said, of all things, your dad's preaching on this verse on Sunday morning. We're about to start a series about the Holy Spirit in you. And this is the verse, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. She said, well, daddy, you got to tell me what this means. <sighs> How long do you have? Does your teacher have an hour to listen to you explain? Because I can give you the, the Christian version, and I can give you the real meaning of this verse. So, so of course, you know, I just said, well, Natalie, let's just, let's just stick to the easy stuff. You know, it just means uh, the Holy Spirit gives you power to be a witness and tell others about Jesus. Because that's a good place to start. I said, I, I don't, you don't have to start talking in tongues in class and laying hands on people just because you quoted this verse. But just give the, the teacher the answer that they need to hear, which is the Holy Spirit came to give us all power, which he did. And that's what I'm going to talk about today, the power of Pentecost. Now, the importance of this story is this, and I, and I just mentioned it a second ago, but at the resurrection of Jesus, the story is not finished. The story is just getting started. And at the resurrection of Jesus, we see that Jesus resurrected and he met with his disciples for 40 days, teaching them, sharing with them about the kingdom of God, about what they were called to do. And then it says that Jesus went to heaven. But the last thing that Jesus said was, I want you to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. I want you to wait for the Spirit of God to come because you can't do the mission of God without the Spirit of God. So I've told you to do all these things, but guess what? You can't do these things without the Holy Spirit because you have no power to do it. 
You have no power to heal anybody, deliver anybody. You have no power to live this new life. You have no power to do the things I've commanded you to do unless the Spirit of God comes upon you. And when he comes upon you, you shall receive power. Now, we need to understand today, and I know a lot of us are believers in here. Maybe not everybody is, but it's God's will for all of us in here who have accepted Jesus to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's God's will that we live a Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered life as believers. That's God's perfect will for everyone in here. And the Holy Spirit or this Spirit-filled life is nothing to be afraid of. It's not weird. It's not unusual. People are, but the Holy Spirit isn't. And we don't need to be afraid of really the most important gift that you can receive after salvation is receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the most important thing you can have after you have received salvation is power from the Holy Spirit to live a new life. Are you with me so far? But who is the Holy Spirit? We, well, we realize in the Bible that God is one, but yet he's three. One God, three persons. The Bible describes God as Father, Son, and Spirit. Trinity. But a lot of people are okay with the Father because that kind of makes sense to your natural mind. And you're okay with the Son because that makes a little bit better sense. But the Spirit people are uncomfortable with because they don't understand it. And a lot of times people are afraid of what they don't understand. But in reality, we are living in the day in the age of the Holy Spirit. That who is who is moving on the earth, the Holy Spirit. Now we could say that the Old Testament was the age of the Father. God revealed himself as the Father. And the Gospels, uh, God revealed himself as Jesus the Son. But in the book of Acts, till now, God reveals himself as the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. And we are living still today in 2022 in the day and the age of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Father is in heaven, the Son is in heaven, but the Holy Spirit is with us now in this earth, living in all those who believe in him and upon us to help us do everything that God has called us to do. I'm preaching better than you're responding today. I got to get you warmed up a little bit. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit is God, just like the Son is God, just like the Father is God. The Spirit is God. One God, three persons. The Holy Spirit is not lesser than Jesus. They are the same. And Jesus told his disciples that before Jesus went to the cross and then he rose again. He told his disciples time and time again, I'm about to go away. I'm going to go back to heaven because my job on earth is done. But wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit because he's going to come help you. And he's not just going to be with you. He's going to live in you. He's going to be upon you. And he's going to give you this power to live a new life. And Jesus told his disciples things like this. When I send the Spirit, he's going to be the same as me. No different. 
Because he is God. He's going to be your helper. He's going to be your teacher. He's going to be your counselor. He's going to be your guide. He's going to give you power to do what I've commanded you to do. Because he's coming, you will do greater works than I have done. When he comes, he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. And because he's with you, he will be with you forever. You will never be alone anymore because the spirit of God will dwell with you forever. So, Jesus told his disciples, I know you're upset because they were thinking, Jesus, we're just getting this thing going good. Why are you going back to heaven? But he said, if I don't go, the spirit can't come. But don't be afraid. This is not a downgrade, disciples. No, this is an upgrade. Because I can only be with you at one time in one place, but the spirit of God's going to come and he can be everywhere present. He can live in all of you at the same time. He can be upon you at the same time. And he's the spirit of God. But when he comes, he'll give you power. He'll give you power. But Jesus, all throughout the Gospels. Now, a lot of Christians all read the Gospels. Jesus is the one who said you needed the Holy Spirit. But yet those same Christians ignore the Holy Spirit. I don't get it. The one you say that is your Savior and your Lord said you need the Spirit of God. And until you receive his fullness, you can't do what I've called you to do. And God doesn't want you to do it alone. That's why he sent you the Holy Spirit to give you the power to do it. So Jesus told his disciples, you got to wait for the Spirit of God. He's coming. And when he comes... He's going to give you power. Now look at Luke 24, verse 46. This is one of those times Jesus told his disciples about the Holy Spirit. He said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in authority of his name to all nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all those who repent. And you are witness of all these things. But notice verse 49. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with fills you with power from heaven. Isn't that good? Jesus told his disciples, I want you to stay in Jerusalem because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he will fill you with power. With power. Now, let's look at this word power. This word power in the Greek, which the New Testament was mainly written in Greek, is the word dunamis. It's a word we get dynamite. This is what Rick Renner's definition of the word dunamis is in the Greek language. Dunamis means explosive, superhuman power with enormous energy that produces phenomenal extraordinary and unparalleled results the force of an entire army so when when God said he's going to send you the Holy Spirit in power that's not no play with the power that's not no double a battery power this is nuclear power this is supernatural power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, it's going to be power. Dunamis. Dynamite power. That's where we get the word dynamite from dunamis. 
It's explosive, superhuman power with enormous energy that produces phenomenal, extraordinary, and unparalleled results. Dunamis power. But you can't get it without the Holy Spirit. That's who brings it, the Holy Spirit. When you get him, he brings the power. Now, we see at at Bethlehem, when Jesus was born, God was with us. At Calvary, God is for us. But at Pentecost, God is in us and upon us. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the day of Pentecost where the book of Acts says that the Holy Spirit came. Now, when we're reading the book of Acts, you got to understand this. Acts was written by Luke. Luke is the same one who wrote the gospel of Luke. Luke was a physician. Now, many people say, because it starts in Acts 1 and verse 1, he's writing to Theophilus. Now, many people think that that was somebody who had a lot of money that asked Luke to investigate the Gospels, and he wanted to investigate the early church and what was going on and write him back a report on what he was finding out. So that's why it says, O Theophilus. So Luke is a physician, so he's got an attention to detail, and he's writing it from firsthand experience. That's where he writes the Gospel, Luke. That's why he writes the book of Acts. But you realize what Jesus did at the resurrection was just the start, not the ending. There's a sequel. It's the book of Acts. There's the Gospels, and then there's the sequel, the book of Acts. It's not over yet. So let's read it here in Acts 1, in verse 1. If we could pull it up. The former account I made, O Theophilus, like I said, many people think that was a a very wealthy man who had given money to Luke to really investigate the church and write back to him what was going on. But notice what he says, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Notice he began to do and he began to teach. He began to do. He didn't finish doing it because he's still doing it. He's just doing it through his church now. Like I told you, the story's not over at the resurrection. There's a sequel to this. And the sequel is just as good as the first half. The sequel is even better because it's not just one person. It's all of us. So Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom he also presented himself alive after suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, do not depart Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his authority. Verse 8, but you shall receive power. Same word, dunamis, dynamite, explosive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, Jesus told his disciples, wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. 
you will receive power. Like I said, the book of Acts is, is a sequel to the Gospels. That, that Jesus is still moving. He's still teaching. He's still healing. But he's doing it through his church now. He didn't stop it at the resurrection and when he went to heaven. No, the, the sequel says he's moving, but he's moving through his spirit, through his church. He's still healing. He's still delivering. He's still teaching. He's still saving lives. He's still changing the world. But he's doing it through his church by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the Gospels, that was just what Jesus began to do. But the good news is he's still doing it. But he's doing it through his church, through the power of the Spirit. Now, many say the book of Acts, sometimes they call it the Acts of the Apostles. That's not exactly right. They call it the Acts of the Apostles. No, it's actually the Acts of the Holy Spirit through His church. Because the church or the apostles or anybody else can't heal a fly, can't deliver anybody, can't save any lives, can't change any cities, can't deliver anybody without the power of the Holy Spirit. So the book of Acts is really the acts of the Spirit of God through His church, which we are part of 2,000 years later. And here's the good news this morning. God's still doing it through His church this morning in this room today. The Spirit of God is in this room with us right now, still using me to preach to you, still using the worship team, still using me to say what needs to be said this morning. The Spirit of God is still moving through His church 2,000 years later. Do you believe that? He's still moving. And not just in this church, but billions and billions of believers are meeting this morning. And guess who's there? The Spirit of God is still changing lives this morning all over the world. In every country around the world, with big churches, small churches, medium churches, city churches, rural churches. doesn't matter what language they speak. The Spirit of God is still moving this morning through His church. The book of Acts is still being written and we're a part of it. I wish you notify your face this morning that some of you are Pentecostal. Because you are last time I checked. You need to be reminded this morning that you got power. This is not human power. This is not political power. This is not financial power. This is Holy Spirit power. This is divine power. And each one of you in here, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have power. And if you don't have it this morning, you can get it by the end of this series. Because God's will for your life is that we live a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life as believers. Now, first of all, if you're not saved, you need to get right with God, repent, and let Jesus come into your life and make you new. But after that, you need to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit to live this new life. And to do everything God's called you to do. This is not a side issue. Every church in the New Testament believed this. They did. All the writers of the New Testament believed this. I got to tell you this morning. Thousands of years ago, there was not hundreds of denominations. This is a new thing. That's a man-made thing. When the church started, 
in the first several hundred years, there was no denominations. They all just believed this. They all were spirit-filled. They all believed in healing. They all believed in deliverance. They all lived this way. It wasn't like a side issue. This was normal. Now we get thousands of years later, and now we got all these denominations and trying to say, well, this isn't right, and this is not for today, and this is... The Bible didn't believe that, so why do you? The early church didn't believe that, so why do you? No, the book of Acts says that God is still moving. And he's moving through his church, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to preach myself happy whether you are or not today. Because <laughs> I'm just getting going here. We get into the really good part. But you shall receive power. He's still moving through his church by the Spirit today. But let's turn over one chapter to Acts 2. And we're going to read what happened on that first day of the early church. What they call the day of Pentecost. That's why we titled this message, The Power of Pentecost. This is what happened. Acts 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled. How many? How many? But you know, the Holy Spirit's only for certain people, right? Now, who said that? Did the Bible say that or did you say that? No, it was a person that said that. They were all filled. You know, the Holy Spirit didn't say, you get it, you don't get it. You get it, you don't get it. You get it, you don't get it. No, they were all filled. It's God's will that we're all filled. With the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, that's the first day of the church. This is the day of Pentecost in the Bible. The first time that it says the Spirit of God came in and filled his people. Now, we're going to talk about the day of Pentecost for a second because I know there's a lot of misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit, Spirit-filled life. And, of course, I can't say everything today. You got to come for the next month and a half, okay? You, you coming? Because I got a lot to say about this. But today we're going to talk about the power of Pentecost. What happened on the first day of the church when they all received power? Well, let's start here. Acts 1, or Acts 2 and verse 1. Let's read again. What does it say? When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Now let's, we'll just leave this up here. Now we're talking about the Holy Spirit this morning. And this was the first day that the Spirit of God was poured out. Now, the word Pentecost, it means 50. Weird, isn't it? It's like Pentecostal. Ooh. It means 50, dude. Scary. 
It's freaky. <laughs> Listen, don't associate weird people with the Holy Spirit. They're two separate categories. If people do something that's weird, it's them. It's not the Holy Spirit, even if they say it is. Okay? Now, I believe in the supernatural, but you don't got to be weird about it. <laughs> God wants you to be different and supernatural, but not weird. All right, that's a different message. <laughs> I'm going to tell stories. Actually, I need to get Daryl and I up here just telling stories about weirdness we've seen in church our whole life. Okay. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, Pentecost, deep revelation, means 50. You know why? Because it's 50 days after Passover. Whew, revelation. Just trying to explain it to you here. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, which if you were here last week, you know what Passover is. Passover was the time that Jesus died during Passover because he's the Passover lamb. And he died during Passover. And Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. Stay with me. Because I'm going to teach you a few things here that you need to know about Pentecost. It'll make Pentecost come alive in a new way. So talking about the power of Pentecost. Now, last week we talked about the Passover, which is a feast. It's a feast. Now, there's seven major feasts that Jewish people celebrate. Now, they have a few more thrown in there, but there's seven major ones. Now, Passover is a major feast that God's people celebrate. But how many know that the Passover feast was pointing to a fulfillment in Jesus. So the Passover wasn't just really about the lamb and breaking the lamb and, and, and putting the blood on the doorposts. It wasn't really about that. It was, but it wasn't. Because it was pointing to Jesus and the new covenant who is the Passover lamb. Then when we apply the blood of Jesus to our life, the enemy has to pass over. Okay. I need you to help me. You with me so far? But there's seven major feasts in the Bible. And all those feasts are pointing to a New Testament reality, which are fulfilled in the New Testament. Okay. But you need to understand this. Before we go any further, I need to say this for the record. There's all these times in the Bible, and still today the Jewish people do this at least seven times a year, probably more. They have feasts. What are feasts? They're parties. Listen to me this morning. We all need to stop being so religious in here. Come on, hear me this morning. Jesus likes you to party. Just the right way. Not one that you end up with a hangover. Not one where you end up sleeping with somebody and then you regret it the next day. But seven times at least during the year, and sometimes they were, these were weeks at a time, God told his people, I want you to have a party about me, about what I'm doing in your life, about what I've done for you. Let's party and have a good time. They were commanded to do that. Some of you could use that by the look on your face this morning. I'm commanding you as your pastor, you need to learn how to party the right way. But God said at least seven times during the year, I want you to take weeks of time and I just want you to party and remember what I've done for you. 
I want you to eat good food. And they says that in the Old Testament. I want you to get together with friends and family and eat good food. I want you to laugh and I want you to dance. And I want you to remember what I've done for you. You don't hear none of this. Let's just be quiet and sit in silence and be bored at church. That wasn't what was going on in the Old Testament. That wasn't God's will. He said, I want you to party and celebrate what I've done for you. That's why I think we should do that at church. God commanded it at least seven times in the Old Testament. Can we do it in the New Testament? When we come here, we should not have a sour look on our face. Like we can't speak in church. Like we're sad to be here. God has done too much good stuff for us. We should be celebrating. We should be rejoicing. And when we leave here, it's scriptural. Go eat with your family. Go be with your friends. Dance and have a good time. Experience the joy of the Lord. Do you know why people don't want to be Christians? Christians! It's not Jesus. It's Christians. It's church people that are grumpy and sour and more angry than the people that don't even believe. How does that work? When God said his people should be the most joyful people, the most happy people, dancing, having a good time, eating a good meal with friends, and rejoicing in what God has done for them. This is not even my message, but you need to hear every last word. 7 times a year he just said take a whole week and just have fun. And party. We associate the world has tried to take advantage of that word and make it something that it shouldn't be. Listen to me this morning. The world does not make the rules on who has fun. The world does not make rules on what's a fun party and what's not a fun party. They don't know. If you got to drink so much you don't even know what happened at the party, you're not having fun. You're depressed. Come on now. Grow up somebody. Oh, we had a good time. What happened? I don't know because you were so drunk you don't remember. That's not a party. You need to go to rehab and get delivered. It's not funny. All right, I'll get back. I'll get back. God wants us to celebrate and be party people. Believers should be the most joyous, happy, excited, peaceful people to be around. Not the world. All right now. And they have to take another substance to get them to feel that way. But the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Hey, there he is to give you power. I want to keep going this direction, but I got to go back to my message. But you really want me to say it. I know you do. Okay, I got to go back to my message. I got to go back to my message. Listen, trust me, I, I, I love people, 
Don't get me wrong. My heart goes out to those people. But we need as Christians to stop letting them make us feel like we don't know how to have fun. Or like they got the upper hand. Are we really living and you're not living? You ain't living. Living with regrets, living with guilt. What are you living with? Stop letting the world try to put us in our place. They can't. Is it the truth this morning? Come on, anybody in the back believe it's the truth? The front, the back. What about this back row? I see some hands waving now. Okay. <laughs> All right, Miss Jenny. We might have to edit this part of the podcast. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't take any of it back. Back to the feast. You remember that? Judah, did you remember that? We're talking about feasts. We're talking about parties. God wants you to party. Now, I grew up in church my whole life, so when I was younger, they used to say this all the time, ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. God wants you to party. So the feast in the Old Testament, there's seven major feasts, a few others thrown in just for fun. They represent something in the New Testament that was fulfilled. So we see Passover is Jesus becoming the Passover lamb, dying on the cross, resurrecting, being our Passover lamb. But 50 days after Passover is Pentecost. That's another celebration and feast in the Old Testament, the the Pentecost, the feast of Pentecost. Now, It starts out in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Because the Old Testament feast was not the feast in its fullness. It was pointing to a New Testament reality fulfilled with the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, it hadn't come yet, but it was that day and the Holy Spirit would come. But what is the Feast of Pentecost in the Old Testament? The Feast of Pentecost is when they celebrate Moses went up on the mountain with God for 40 days. You follow me so far? Jesus, after he was resurrected, spent time with his disciples for 40 days. Stay with me. And after 40 days, Moses came down the hill and it said he'd spent time with God for 40 days. And his face was glowing, they said. It, It was shining. And he had the Ten Commandments. And he brought down the Ten Commandments to the people. Now, as you know, at the day of Pentecost in the Old Testament, when Moses brought the law down, since their pastor had been away for 40 days, Uh (laughs) y'all get crazy. 
And they turn this party into a not right party. See what happens when you're out without a pastor for 40 days. They were worshiping God up till then. 40 days, like, oh, I guess we just go do what we want to do now. So this is what happened in the Old Testament. So you know how they brought all the gold and silver out of Egypt? You get bored in the desert. And they said, you know what we should do? We should melt this all together and let's make an idol and we're just going to have a party and worship it. Which was a golden calf. And of course that party was not a Holy Ghost party. Because the pastor went away for 40 days. So when Moses brought the law down, God's Ten Commandments, he saw all of the millions of God's people and it, he broke the commandments because it broke God's heart. He's like, what in the world is going on here? I leave Aaron in charge, which is your babysitter. Yeah. This is what happens. Yeah. We're getting to a point here. Yeah. But the Feast of Pentecost is celebrating not that God's people disobeyed, and, and built a calf, but it's celebrating that Moses brought God's law down. Yeah. Okay. The Feast of Pentecost. But in Acts 2, 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. So the Old Testament feast was pointing to a New Testament reality. Listen to what I'm saying this morning. It starts out and says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one place and one accord. And then there was wind and there was fire. If you read the Old Testament account of Pentecost, when Moses came down from the mountain, the mountain was full of wind and full of fire. The Old Testament... Pentecost is when Moses brought the law of God down. But the New Testament Pentecost is when God sent his spirit down. The Old Testament is when Moses brought God's Ten Commandments. The New Testament Pentecost is when God writes his law on our hearts, not on stone, by the Spirit of God. At the Old Testament Pentecost, when he brought the law down, it said that there was 3,000 people that died that day. But in the book of Acts chapter 2, on the first day of the church, Peter preached and 3,000 people came alive that day. At the Old Testament Pentecost, the law kills. But at the New Testament Pentecost, the Spirit gives life. So that feast in the Old Testament of Pentecost was pointing always to the New Testament reality at the day of Pentecost. One was where God's law was brought down by Moses, but the New Testament was when God's spirit came down and brought life to all of us. It's beautiful. So this story was written to always point to the New Testament reality of the Spirit of God coming on the day of Pentecost. It's not weird. It's not strange. It's actually prophetic that this happened all those years earlier pointing to what would happen 
through the Spirit of God. You with me so far? But it says, when the Spirit of God comes, you will receive power. Power. Dunamis power. Dynamite power. Now I want to share with you a few things that the Holy Spirit gives you power to do. First of all, the Holy Spirit gives you power. Why did he bring this power? To be a witness. Acts 1.8. If we could put it up here. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit came to give you power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. Now, I would say a lot of Pentecostals I know, evangelizing and witnessing to people is not one of their major strong suits. That's a problem. If you say you got the power and you keep it in the four walls of the church, who cares? Why pray in tongues? Who cares if you aren't helping anybody? Who cares if you're not telling people about Jesus? Who cares that things are happening in church? Well, I took a lap in church, but what did you do at work on Tuesday? He gave you power to be a witness, not just power to do a lap. That's why the Holy Spirit came. He said, you shall receive power to be a witness. And I know we are a Pentecostal charismatic church. We believe in the Spirit of God. But we don't do good at witnessing. Telling others about Jesus. That's an issue. Because that's the main reason the Holy Spirit came. To make you a witness. Not just to witness, to be a witness. That means you, you live that way. You, you don't always got to be jabbering about it to everybody. You just got to live that way and they'll want what you have. But how do you have something they want? The power is on you to live a different way. And they see you live differently than me. You act differently than me. You believe differently than me. There's something different about you. What is that? It's the power on you to be a witness. But the Holy Spirit, he came to give you power to be a witness. Now, one of the best examples of this is the whole book of Acts. Because you see, before the Holy Spirit got poured out, the disciples were scared. In an upper room, 120 of them, with the door locked, waiting for the Holy Spirit. Because they thought, if we go outside, we're going to get killed just like Jesus was. But something happened. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they immediately unlocked the door. They walked out into the streets and they started telling others about the great things that God has done. And they were witnesses as soon as the Holy Spirit got poured out. It changed them into different people. Before the Holy Spirit, they were scared and timid and would never share. But after the Holy Spirit, they were bold. 
They were courageous. They were excited because God gave them power to the Spirit to be a witness. Are you with me? One of the greatest examples of that is Peter. You remember Peter in the Bible? Peter was very bold, but when Jesus was going to the cross, he got real quiet. He got scared. And it says, when, when Jesus was going to the cross, Peter was around a fire, and a little middle school girl said, hey, don't you know Jesus? And he said, uh-uh, not me. Not me. Don't you know Jesus? Uh, no. Must have been a lookalike. That was not me with Jesus. And then she said, don't, don't you know Jesus? And he, uh, I don't know Jesus. I, I don't know anything about it. And that same Peter, who was scared and timid to even share his faith with a little girl, that same Peter was locked away in an upper room, still scared, still feeling guilty probably and condemned, not because of Jesus, but because of him denying Jesus, even though Jesus restored him before he went to heaven. But something happened. Something happened to him that changed him into a different person. It was the Holy Spirit. The dunamis power of God changed him from a coward to courageous. Because the Spirit of God came upon him. He went from being scared and timid to being bold. And it says that Peter went outside and preached the first message on the first day of the church in the book of Acts and 3,000 people got saved on the first day because of his bold message. How did Peter go from here to here? The Holy Ghost. He received some power to be a witness. You still with me today? The next thing is Peter went on. He preached that first message and he told the whole crowd to repent. The same Peter that was scared. And he told him, you need to receive the same Holy Spirit. It's for everybody. It's for all of you. The same spirit that we got, he wants to help you and heal you and fill you, come upon you. You can have the same experience. The same Holy Spirit. But he did it with boldness because the Spirit of God gave him power to be a witness. Here's the next thing. The Holy Spirit gives you power to live a new life. So many Christians are frustrated because they're trying to live a Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Which makes no sense. But they are. A lot of Christians frustrated with their Christian life because they're trying to break addiction and they can't. They're trying to stop habits and they can't. They're trying to overcome temptation and they can't. They're trying to live holy and they can't. They're trying to walk in love and they can't. Why? Because they haven't received the fullness of the Holy Spirit that brings power to do it. The Holy Spirit gives you power to live a new life. If you're frustrated trying to live like a Christian, 
then I know you don't have the power. Because the Holy Spirit will give you power to live a new life. That's what so many people make it into. I just need to act a certain way to be a Christian, to look like a Christian, to talk like a Christian, to be Christ-like. And it's like, no, the Holy Spirit was given to you to give you the desire and power to do this. It wasn't like you just received Jesus and then just go try to do what he did by yourself. That was never the point because you can't do it. He gave you the spirit of God to come live and abide in you and to be upon you to live a new life. To break addictions that you can't break. The spirit of God can break them. To break habits you can't break. The spirit of God can break them. To, to be delivered out of temptation that you, could, you couldn't in your former life, you could never say no to it. But you could say no now because you got power to do it. See, I can't live holy. You can now because you got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Who's going to come give you the power to do it? Not yourself because you can't do it. To walk in love that you can't do in your natural strength, the Holy Spirit will give you the power to do it. The Holy Spirit comes to you to, to give you the power to live a new life. Let's look at Philippians 2.13 and the Amplified. I love what it says in the Amplified. Not in your own strength. <laughs> Let me say that one more time. Not in your own strength. Because you can't do it in your own strength. God's not looking for you to. That's why he sent you the Spirit of God. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you. But who is God in you? The Holy Spirit. Notice what he's doing. Energizing and creating in you the power. There's the power again. And desire. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. The Holy Spirit gives you power to live a new life. This is in Philippians. We just read it. He will give you the power and desire to do it for everything. If you know Jesus and you have received the fullness of the Spirit and you're Spirit-filled, never say, I can't do that. You're lying. You are lying. Because the Spirit of God's in you, and He said He would give you the power and desire to do it. That means He's going to give you the want to do it, and He's going to give you the power to do it. Now, now this is what I have. Sometimes denominational people are like this. A lot of denominational people want to do the right things. But they don't believe in the fullness of the Spirit, so they don't have the power to do it. It's not either or, it's both and. You need the desire. God's going to give you new desires. How does he do that? By the Spirit of God. You're going to want to start doing the right things. Why? Because you got the Holy Spirit in you. But not just, I want to do them. Because a lot of denominational people want to do the right things. And they're uptight about it. They need a feast. But he said, I'm going to give you the desire and the power to do it. 
by the Holy Spirit of God. Brother Darrell, could you come play and we're going to close here today. Did you guys get anything this morning? Well, are you going to invite me back next week? Yeah, I'm coming back. All right. Lastly, the Holy Spirit will give you power to walk supernaturally. Power to walk supernaturally. You know, all the supernatural stuff in the Bible that we talk about at church and you read about in your Bible, all the stuff that some churches don't touch, healing, deliverance, gifts of the Spirit, praying in tongues, all that supernatural stuff, guess where it comes from? The power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you power to walk supernaturally. To do all the things that the Bible says. This is not something that happened a long time ago that's not for you today. God still wants to heal. Like, like not just spiritually heal, but like heal bodies. Like heal cancer, like heal AIDS, like like heal broken bones, like like heal brains. Like God still wants to do that stuff because He did it in the Bible days through His church. But how did He do it? By His Spirit. How was it accomplished? By His Spirit that brought the power to do it. The Old Testament says, "Not by might, nor by power." But by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how it's going to happen. But I want you to know this morning, God still wants to heal minds. Like, like deliver people. Like, I'm not against people taking medication for if they need help. But know that God can still heal minds. He can heal anxiety. He can heal depression. He can heal suicidal thoughts. He can heal panic attacks. He can still heal and do that. I want you to know that today because some churches don't even bring stuff up like this. And I'm not against getting medical help or a therapist. Do it if you need to. But don't leave out the supernatural. When he came to give us power, he came to give us power to walk supernaturally on this earth. To walk supernaturally. To do the things you see in the book of Acts in the early church. To see people healed. To see people delivered from demonic attack. To see the gifts of the Spirit, which are supernatural, happen. Meaning that God could give you a word of knowledge about somebody. And tell them things that you don't know in your natural mind, but the Spirit of God does to help that person. God could give you special faith to believe for something that you can't believe by yourself. God could give you the gift of healing to lay hands on people and see them recover. God could give you the gift of miracles and you could see miracles happen. God could give you prophetic words over people's life and speak right into their heart. You know all that supernatural stuff in the Bible? How does it happen? By the Holy Spirit. He's the one who brings it. 
The Holy Spirit gives you power to walk supernaturally. Hear me, church. We need to never forget what God has provided for us. I know the the more that the world pushes on us to just be natural and to just fit in and to just stay in your head all the time about stuff, we have to push back and say, no, God provided more for just this natural realm. God provided more for what I can just come up in my my brain. God provided more for what I can just taste and see and sense. God provided a way for me to walk supernaturally in this natural world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody believe that today? Now, maybe some of you haven't seen that in a long time. That doesn't mean it's not true. Pastor, I haven't experienced that before. Doesn't mean it's not true. I have. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, I've seen people healed physically in their bodies. I've seen people delivered a mental torment, depression, suicide, panic attacks. I've seen people set free. I've seen people come up and no one even knew them. And God gave a prophetic word to somebody that read their mail. That after that, they knew God was real. Why? Because it was supernatural. Somebody got a word of wisdom or word of knowledge that God gave them about a person that answered questions that needed to be answered that couldn't happen in the natural. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit. Believing in Him in all His fullness. The greatest gift that we could receive after receiving Jesus in our life for salvation. But He gave us power to walk supernaturally. It's for us today. Let's look at Acts 10.38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Notice when the Holy Spirit even came on Jesus in his earthly ministry, what happened? There was power, and then people started getting healed. Supernatural things started happening. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4 and 5. We'll close with this. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The Holy Spirit wants to give you power today. Could you stand up this morning? Did you guys receive anything? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.